Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Backpage, my name is Martin Gregg and welcome to a new episode of Between the Lines, the stories behind great sports writing. This is my conversation with Matt and Tom Oldfield, two brothers who between them have written the ultimate football hero series of books for children aged between 7 and 12. The series features stars such as Messi, Ronaldo, Virgil van Dijk, Kevin De Bruyne and many more. As always with Between the Lines, we focus on the story behind the books, the path to publication, writing style and the enormous commercial success of these books which have now sold over 400,000 copies. I think you'll really enjoy this one and if you have young children at home at the moment, this might be the perfect time to introduce them to this series. Enjoy. Matt, so I'm going to start with you and, and talking about the contact we, we've had over the years. You obviously came to an event of ours and I think it was in Edinburgh many years ago and then went on to start a blog called Off Pitch and Page. We had quite a lot of contact through the writing of the blog, etc. But um, my memory after that is you, you started a career in publishing in London and then went on to kind of develop your own writing skills. Can you tell us a little bit just about your background, you know, progressing from your initial interest in sports writing and then uh, developing into working in a publishing house so I I studied English literature that was um yeah books was kind of my background but I always had that interest in in sports and in football in particular um so I think when we met I was actually I was working in publishing but working in Edinburgh for Canongate Books so very much working on the kind of commercial but in no way sports publishing and so in my spare time I was also running the pitch and page blog which just it it sort of started as a way for me to work on my writing really and sort of working on the reviewing side of things and keeping an eye on sports books because the more and more I did it the more I thought wow it would be so cool to actually work at the time it was very much me thinking oh maybe I could one day edit these books and it sort of went from there and then at that point obviously Tom can tell this part of the story better than I can um, but yeah, I basically got an opportunity to then go into to the writing side um, and, and explore that. So maybe maybe I'll hand over to Tom at this point. So, I mean, I think it was at that point where the opportunity for the books kind of came about. I'd been working with John Blake Publishing on a couple of other biographies in the prior years. And then I think a couple of years passed, we kept in touch still. And then they kind of came back with this, this idea for a, a kids book series which sounded great, like immediately sounded like something I'd be interested in, I think, in part because I was that I was that child. They were pitching it at sort of nine to 12-year-olds. I was that child that had all the the cuttings and the little notepads doing match reports and, and, and loved sports and loved football, but didn't necessarily love reading or it was like an effort. I'm sure my mom would tell you to get me to sit down and read a book for more than 20 minutes. So yeah, that was sort of the, the path of less conventional, I guess. It wasn't, uh, at least at the beginning, and I, I know as things went along, it was there was a lot more pitching and discussions that, that Matt had with the publishers, but it, it was sort of unconventionally more them reaching back out to say, you know, we obviously we'd work together on a few books that like, would, would I like to work with John Blake on this kid series? 
So uh, it's interesting you have this relationship with John Blake. What was your role in the biographies you worked on? Yeah, no, I was really writing. It was, uh, again, kind of a bizarre story of just a, like a work experience that happened to be the right place at the right time, really. I was at a, a news agency in London a couple of summers and just sort of flowed from there that that agency had a contract with John Blake to do a bunch of biographies. I got to do a little bit more probably on that work experience than, than would be the norm and sort of had kept in touch. And then one of the, these these books sort of came my way. So I think the first one was a Gary Neville biography, I did a, a Cristiano Ronaldo one, a, a Nadal, a couple of others. So we'd had a bit of a working relationship already, probably spanning, I don't know, probably from 2006 to 2010 or 11, something like that. Uh, and so, yeah, just just sort of back and forth. I think that there'd been a bit of a lull, but we kept in touch a little bit just on ideas they were playing around with, that sort of thing. Yeah, and then it just flowed from there. They, they then came forward with that idea. I, I'd be quite interested to know how the actual creative process works. You start getting getting into writing this extensive kids series. What's the division of labour like, I guess? You know, how much collaboration is on the process? So initially, um, that it was absolutely a collaborative process. So the, the initial deal was for three books, um, which turned out to be Gareth Bale, Wayne Rooney and Raheem Sterling. Um, and so we, I, I wrote the Gareth Bale one, Tom wrote the Wayne Rooney one, and we worked together on the, we basically wrote half and half on the Sterling one. Um, so that was very much the kind of starting point. But as it went on, we were getting more and more of these books, and Tom had a full-time job in Canada. Um, so he was kind of trying his best to kind of fit these books in around everything. Um, but increasingly it just became a bit too difficult. So kind of, I guess, around, what would you say, after about 10 books maybe, Tom? About 10 maybe? It sort of switched switched and it became a bit more of kind of me running things with, you know, Tom pitching in whenever he could. Um, So, you know, he still still writes quite a few of them, but, you know, I guess it's kind of me that, that does more of the... The work, and especially when it comes to the school stuff and stuff like that, that is very much kind of my my work. I was just going to jump in and say, I mean, I think up front we had a, like a lot of on those first three books, we had a, sort of a lot of conversations on forming sort of the the structure and the idea and how how we wanted it to flow, and kind of came away from I think the first book that we worked on together, or that we, probably the first three, sort of feeling like we even without really chatting in the very earliest stages we sort of landed in the same place um, almost independently of how we wanted them to go so it was there was not a lot of arguments or uh, stressing over sort of you know how we wanted it to flow I think we we pretty quickly landed on a kind of a formula that we thought could be translated through the series yeah and we also um so there was a, a guy called Michael Part who wrote three books in an initial series that they that they were planning um and then for whatever reason I'm not quite sure why he walked away from the project so he'd written Ronaldo Neymar and Messi I think um yeah. and so we did have those as kind of as, uh, that you know they sent the books to us as a kind of template but I think Tom would probably agree we we kind of from the very start we were a bit like well we don't want to just do the exact same thing we kind of want to take those um and and kind of make them our own and we ended up actually rewriting the Ronaldo Messi and Neymar ones at a later stage um but yeah it was quite um I don't know it just felt quite natural the way we we found this formula that really worked and also we just maybe it's because we're brothers but I think we just found it easy to kind of slip into a joint style that made because we, yeah. we really wanted to make sure that people didn't pick up a book and think oh that's definitely written by Tom that's definitely written by Matt like we wanted it to be a, a kind of a series style um but yeah it just kind of happened really 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting in terms of the, the narrative voice and the, the style of it. Is um, I was actually rereading some of the Wayne Rooney book over the weekend, and it's really interesting. You, you really kind of step into the character's shoes, and, and you do that throughout the series. Um, for example, in the in the Rooney book, you tell the the early chapters are kind of told almost from his family's point of view, and his mum and dad, and giving him his first trip, and the family milling around, and it's really quite intimate and quite personal. And then you go on to kind of tell the story from Rooney's perspective, and it really draws you in. It's really absorbing, and I'd like to know how you get to that point to kind of write with that that kind of authority because I, I noticed at the back there's quite extensive bibliographies and stuff like that. So I guess you're trying to to really soak in as much research as you can to to give you a kind of firm foundation that you can you can write through the character's eyes if you like. I would agree. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of sort of bibliography work, a lot of a lot of research and we've been lucky with certainly with some of the players have been covered so extensively now that mm. between every newspaper you can think of having a feature profile on them biographies that either the player's written or teammates of the player have written where they feature prominently yeah i mean certainly later into their careers it's it's a lot easier to dig into just video clips and and all kinds of things that that we can get our hands on easily there's probably like a little bit more creativity involved in the those earlier stages which was Kind of an important part for us because I think you know if you were a, you know as a nine or ten year old you you know you you kind of know the stuff of like what they did in 2016 or 18 or last year or whatever but the more relatable part almost is the is the childhood part so yeah we were lucky to sort of for most of these to have some pretty good features that we could dig into from you know just little snippets of their childhood that 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 writers have have dug into or we've been able to find out that yeah allowed it to not just be kind of a and in September they played against this team and it was. 3-1 and it, to, to actually get into meaningful moments from their childhood and, and and sort of things that if you're you know you're an aspiring footballer or just just somebody who likes football things that would have happened in that player's life around the ages of 9 10 11 um feeding as much of that in as possible yeah and i, th- I think we were also drawing a lot on our own experiences where yeah as, as tom said when we got those little snippets of information about one of these players childhood we would kind of use that and then expand it using you know i guess uh, our own kind of every child views of kind of, you know, what it would be like to join your first team, to be scouted and to have that dream of playing for a Premier League team. And, you know, uh, I think it's, it's stuff that everyone can relate to. And we were just trying to, um, yeah, present it as, as, because I think one of the things that I find with these books is that what we're trying to do is we're trying to make these players seem a bit more relatable for kids. I think, you know, we want their journey to seem like something that, kids can aspire to and do and and even if it's not necessarily about football there's so much else things like um you know bouncing back from setbacks and kind of so many kind of life skills that that we can promote um i think through using these these football examples I think it's quite a bold structural call in a way to, to start with the, the childhood because I, I don't know if the temptation would have been to to try and start with a high point of the players' careers, you know, that, that everybody instantly recognises, you know. But I, I think the, the kind of genius of these books is the fact that you, you do go in at the, the grassroots level and, and that it makes it instantly re- relatable to the readers because these are 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids who will relate much more to those early moments than they will to you know Wayne Rooney lifting the Champions League trophy. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's a bit of a kind of personal element to this for myself because my wife is actually a primary school teacher uh, and the big challenge that, sh- that she has is, is getting young boys in her class to, to read. I, and she came back to me one day and she said, um, you know, I picked up this set of books and I've handed them out and it's kind of changed everything because the boys are not only like devouring them, but actually like almost like stealing them, you know, like, you know <laughs> hiding them in their desk and taking them home. And like she was saying, I'm trying, you know, because she bought the books, actually, the school didn't buy the books. So she was saying, no, I need to try and get these books back again. Um, <laughs> and then and then lo and behold, I see the name of Matt Oldfield and I think, wow, you've obviously been on that journey with these books. So I, I would imagine that you've had lots of feedback um, because particularly yourself, Matt, you're out in the, the communities and you're out in schools. Tell us a little bit about the interest that it sparked in young male readers. It's amazing. It's one of those things where I think, well, speaking for, my, for myself anyway, when, I, when we first started writing these books, it was very much... I guess I was thinking for myself in a way, I was thinking, you know, oh, this is great. I get to write a book, books about football and, you know, if they do well, great. If not, you know, never mind. But the more work, so I guess after about, I don't know, must've been about four or five books in, I started doing, I stopped working in publishing and I started doing this full time. And kind of the next step for a children's author is always, you know, go out into schools. So I just kind of thought, okay, I'll do that. Um, and so I started doing these school visits and it became so apparent so quickly, you know, the gap that these books were filling. And, and we, uh, you know, when we were writing them and starting them, we had no idea what what we were doing, really. And it's, it, it is incredible what um, the power that football has to um, to just unlock everything, whether it's about reading, whether it's about writing, just it, teachers just suddenly realising how much these kids know about football, how much information they just absorb naturally, and and how actually if you can in some way kind of tailor things towards that passion that they have, um, you know, just the, the improvements that can be made, um, whether it's about reading or whether it is about, you know, their story writing skills, you know, maybe it is just, you know, if you let them write about something that they love, you know, oh, it turns out they can write a lot more and things like this. But, it's, yeah, it's just been... Um, an amazing journey really um just going seeing the enthusiasm that that this stuff can create when otherwise you know there is that reluctant reader idea which uh, i don't particularly like but it you know it's, it's an important thing um and so yeah and it's just great to be able to help in some small way and that's totally the best part like getting those those reviews on amazon or tweets or, or let fan mail that that matt gets and things like that it's uh 
it's pretty amazing whether it's coming from the, the 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 boy or the girl themselves or just the parents saying what a difference it's made it's uh yeah just it sort of hits home i think just the impact that it's having yeah we got um we got a fan letter uh, by the way tom um it actually came for you uh, but oh. I, i'm gonna reply to it um but it's from france which is nice um oh. so they must have picked up the french translations um oh uh, yeah and decided to write to us it's, it's amazing um Hearing the international stuff as well, just, you know, I, I had an email from someone from Ghana, um, you know, Saudi Arabia, wherever it is, these books are kind of reaching out to that that football-mad population. It's brilliant. I wonder if either of you saw the gap in the market, in the publishing market for these type of books, because it's interesting, myself and my business partner, Neil, have been having conversations for the best part of 10 years since we started the company about you know, trying to to do something that would that would land in the, in the children's market, and we actually spoke to an illustrator years ago about doing a kind of kids version of our Barca book by by Graham Hunter. Mm-hmm. And but but we just it just got overtaken by events, and we're a two man company, and we never really got there. But it, it always felt like you know the market was there for the taking. You know, it was so obvious to us. And I wonder, like, I wonder if either of of you did you sense that there was an opportunity there, or or was it, or has it been a gradual realization as you went along that wow, wait a minute, these books keep selling and selling and selling. This is a huge, you know, commercial proposition as well. Yeah, I definitely say the latter. Um, it's it's been, um, I guess, uh, you know, I, I had obviously growing up in publishing, I I kind of had an awareness of books, but not not the children's market at all. That was just something that was um, kind of alien to me. Um, but as soon as we started doing it and it kind of took off, it, it, you know, it was one of those simple ideas that we, yeah. Yeah, I guess I clocked, you know, it's like, oh yeah, this, <laughs> thank goodness we did this um, because if we didn't, someone else would have done it. So yeah, I think it, it's just been, the more and more books that we do, the more it's, we can't believe our luck in a way. Yeah, no, I know. I would agree with that. Again, we, we once we got maybe past the first three and into the next, and and obviously you start to think of all the play, possible players that could be featured in the series. It's sort of like, okay, if this if this keeps running, this could be. Uh, yeah, I don't think either of us thought we'd be sort of past thirty books or whatever the series total is now. But yeah, like I think the, the more we got into it, the more you sort of realize, yeah, when we were that age, we didn't really have this kind of book and. We would have, you know, it's the sort of book that uh, I think both of us would have sort of lapped up and, and been, been one of those kids we hear about that sort of going through the series and asking their parents for the next one and the next one. That series aspect is so important because you forget the power of um, of collecting when you're young. Actually, yeah. you know, the sticker albums, the stuff. It is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's, become, it's become that kind of an idea. Play. I think when I first, when we first started, I thought, oh, you know, if you're a fan of Liverpool, you'd want to read about the Liverpool players. Um, but maybe only the Liverpool players. Whereas actually what's happened is that because it's this series, it doesn't matter what team they support. They just want to collect them all and read them all. That's just amazing. Uh, that's interesting. Do you, do you think that's a reflection on sort of young, maybe young fandom now that like, you know, young people will follow star names rather than, than actual clubs, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that was one of the really um, key things in what we did. And because a, a few times we talked about the possibility of doing um, some books about clubs rather than the individual players. Um, and quite wisely, our, our publisher came back saying, you know what, we just think that's going to really narrow down the market. If you know, Because if it's about a team, you know, only Liverpool fans are going to read a whole book about Liverpool. But we, but these days with with modern football, it's so much about the individual players and the personalities. Or people want to read about that, and they don't. 
I guess young football fans are slightly more fickle than fans of old. You know, they will happily move with um, with players, with teams that are doing well in a way that maybe previous generations didn't. Yeah, yeah and we see that. I'd say I see that in uh, other sports here in North America too. It's, it seems now very common that players are that, that kids, particularly the kids, are drawn in by players and personalities and and i guess with the social media and and access to them being what it is now it's it seems like those are the connections that form and are more lasting than the the you know the parent trying to tell them that the family has always supported this team for generations it's 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 the players that draw them in just just to rewind slightly to something you said matt you mentioned that you know it was a simple idea and you know often the simple ideas are the best ones but you know as as a simple idea but the execution is not simple. I think that's always been my take on on children's publishing. I think there's a there's a perception that writing kids' books is easy, uh, and I think that's just so so wrong. And I think it, it does a great disservice to the amount of work that goes into really good kids' books. Have you ever encountered that where people think, oh, it's quite easy to turn your hand to this sort of stuff, but in actual fact, there's not a full appreciation of the kind of mountain of research and work and searching for tone that, that goes behind the stuff that you do. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we've got the double whammy of being, you know, writing for children, but also writing about football, you know, between the two things, you've got so much uh, sort of stigma, I think, um, you know, there's already, yeah, as you say, writing for kids, there's this assumption that it's a whole lot easier than writing for adults. And, you know, I guess certain aspects maybe are, but you still have to, it's the approach that you take to it. And as you say, turning it into something that really works does actually take work. And and the football thing is, yeah, I mean, there's still a big yeah, stigma in some, in some cases when it comes to football as a kind of legitimate thing to read, especially in schools, I think. It's, it's getting much, much better with the kind of reading for pleasure ideas that are being spread but you do still definitely get the sense that as soon as you mention the word football some teachers just groan and think oh you know this is this is not what I want my kids to be reading even though you know there's a lot of what they might consider stuff that should be read like you know fiction side as well that is yeah I would argue is not a whole lot better uh, in terms of the writing style and everything so in terms of the you know the whole project it's a, it's a part of the of it that you've really taken seriously like i noticed on the website there's actually like a teaching hub um so you're kind of pro- almost providing resources for for teachers to to take it on because maybe maybe they don't quite know how to approach it in, in the right way but so that was obviously important to kind of try and lay it out for them in, in terms of how to approach teaching of it absolutely yeah i mean the, the reservations do tend to come from Fair enough. They come from people who who maybe don't get football and, as you say, can't find a way to use it and, and understand it properly. Um, and so that does become difficult. But I think, uh, you know, anyone who sees the the potential, um, you know, what it can unlock in, in kids, do, they do tend to come around to the idea. Um, and there's, there's so many amazing um, school librarians in particular who really... Um, have been amazing in promoting the books and promoting this idea that, you know, this is good stuff to be read. Um, it doesn't matter what it's about. If it's something that it, that interests these kids, then that's the most important thing. In terms of the outreach stuff, I mean, it seems to me from from following your Twitter feed, etc., that you're actually out 
a lot, like doing doing these events? I mean, is it is that a big part of your uh, working weeks, working months? Yeah. So I mean, until until lockdown happened, um, yeah, I was um, I was actually meant to be in um, Renfrewshire uh, the the week that lockdown happened. So I actually do quite a lot of stuff in Scotland. Um, there's some really good um, school councillors up there who you know have really got on board with the idea of using football as a tool and especially um at the sort of lower secondary school end um which i think is a really key area because you've got that you know it's when that sort of enthusiasm of primary school dies um and you know there's that danger of of reading just being taken away completely um so i think it's it's such an important age for if you can do anything to keep them engaged in reading then then it's brilliant um but yeah so i tra- i travel i travel a lot i suppose you know a couple of days a week um but you know i try to do um a series of events in the same kind of areas just to make it easier but um but no it's a part of my job that i love um and it, i th- i find it really important to have the balance as well between sort of being at home writing on my own and that sort of slightly solitary experience and then having these big days or weeks where you know i'm talking in front of thousands of kids and they kind of a lot of it is about inspiration as well because i think it's really important if we're writing these books for that age group you know we we need to be meeting i i anyway need to be meeting the kids and really um you know feeding off their enthusiasm feeding off them as as characters and kind of a reading audience so I was looking at the website and you're launching a series with women, women footballs, which looks great. But I wonder about, you know, young female readers. I mean, is it mainly young boys that are interested in the books or when you go out to these schools, are the, are the, the girls equally as, as, as interested? I would say there's it's definitely a larger male audience for these books. And then I think with the with the female audience, I think. I think there's a certain group of them that would definitely almost because of the fame of men's football, they would more identify with the male footballers almost, you know, their heroes would be certainly at this stage, but we've got the women's game growing so much that actually the the really nice thing is that we do actually have a generation that are starting to have, you know, female football heroes. And so that's, yeah, that's exactly what that part of the series is all about. But I do think I always find that both, appeal to both actually and in a way that I never expected so especially doing some work with the women's football around the women's world cup last year there was a really nice um, uptake amongst the boys as well and you know a sort of mutual understanding of the fact that football is is a game for everyone um, which I thought was was really nice. I just finally I want, I want to ask you both about the the commercial success of of the books and you know I think it's fantastic when people put so much hard work into something and then and then they achieve the the success it deserves and I was noticing on the website that it sold at over 400,000 copies these books I mean this has been a huge huge commercial success. Yeah yeah absolutely um way yeah way way beyond anything we ever expected uh and the amazing thing about I guess well, I'm sure Tom would agree, but we thought eventually, surely this this is going to slow down. We're gonna we're gonna run out of players. But um, the amazing thing about football is that there there are always new heroes on the horizon. Um, and so this yeah, this series could just keep going and going and going. Really, in the big tournaments, like every big tournament seems to put a two or three. I think there have been at least a couple of times where we sort of thought maybe we, the list of ones we hadn't hit on yet were were was short i guess but uh, then the big tournament happens and suddenly three or four new players sort of emerge as 
as potential titles. So yeah, uh, and again, I never thought we would sort of get to this point, but it's uh, it's pretty cool that we had um, my wife's cousin was was on holiday in in France in the summer and went into a bookshop and they said, oh, you know, you might be interested in these for your kids. Like they're you know they're eight, nine, ten, whatever. And it just happened to one of the books they showed was one of ours, which is just you know it's a small world, but it did again coming back to just the reach that these books have had. It's it's pretty cool. Thanks to Tom and Matt for their time. Listen out for a bonus episode tomorrow where the brothers talk about their favourite sports books. This podcast is free and we don't earn any money from it. So I'm going to leave you with a couple of requests. Number one, hit that wee share button on your app and send this podcast to a friend who might like it. Number two, sign up to our mailing list at backpagepress.co.uk. The link is in the show notes to the episode. We put out a monthly update with lots of news, updates, competitions to win signed books and much more. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.